Are you hearing a lot of conflicting Etsy-related advice? Maybe you're not quite sure what to believe or who to believe. Someone says, run ads. The other person says, don't run ads. One person says, be a general store. The other person says, niche down. How do you know what to believe nowadays? And how do you know what will actually work? If you like videos like this, please subscribe to the channel. All of the strategy that I teach here is rooted in corporate e-commerce principles, and I put out new videos every week. So in today's video, we are going to dive in and I'm going to give some reactions to some of the advice and tips and tricks and things that are going around on TikTok. Before we get into that, if you're new here, my name is Dylan Jaris and I'm an Etsy shop owner of about seven years. I've sold over $1.5 million in revenue on the platform, over a million dollars in profit, and my whole background is corporate e-commerce. And now I'm teaching hundreds of Etsy sellers just like you how to scale their businesses to multi-six figures. So now let's get into the advice. Something that stops people from doing Etsy print-on-demand is that they think that they need social media to drive traffic to their Etsy shop. One of my favorite things about Etsy is that you don't need social media for that. As long as you have good products and the right SEO for people to find your products, then Etsy's going to drive traffic to your shop organically. You're going to get views and you're going to get sales. I don't have any social media for my Etsy shops. My family and friends don't even know about my Etsy shops. All of my sales come strictly from organic traffic on Etsy. Okay, so this is interesting. No, you don't need social media to get sales, but if you are trying to build a big business and a big brand, then it is really beneficial to have social media. It will just accelerate your growth. You don't have to use all types of social media. Different social media platforms have different purposes. Pinterest is the long game, right? It's about being discovered. The Facebook strategy, I mean, that is the fastest working social media strategy that I know of. I had a student, she made $1,000 in one evening with one post using my Facebook strategy. So no, you don't have to do social media, but you're potentially leaving money on the table. It's a little bit of time, but it can be free. You don't need to be paying for ads. So she's right, you don't need social media, but why wouldn't you take advantage of free tools uh, that can just help you grow your shop? That's kind of my take on it. Also, I wanna point this out. You do not have to be the face of your brand to be on social media. I have a lot of students who do not wanna be the face of the brand and that is totally fine. You know, you don't have to be out there like, you know, talking to the camera. There are a lot of different things that you can do with social media without being the face of the brand. This is a really great question. So if you're creating digital templates online and you're wanting to sell them on different platforms like Etsy or Creative Market, how do you even know how to price it? So this is actually, a pretty easy and kind of complicated answer. So what you're going to want to do is definitely see what other things are selling for. So for example, if you're creating Instagram story templates or a bundle for that, you're going to want to go on Etsy and creative market, or even just Google it and see what other websites are selling it for. And then kind of base it on that. You do not want to be the cheapest and you do not want to be the most expensive. So that is one strategy that I use is definitely testing the market and then also factoring in how much time you're spending. So like I said, you don't ever want to be the cheapest, but if you're spending a ton of time on it and it's a very high quality template and not something you just threw together, you do want to charge the most that you can. Um, but always look at what other people are charging for because otherwise you're not going to make any sales if you're really expensive. Okay. So first of all, it really, honestly, it really doesn't matter how much time it takes you. It depends on how much money you want to make, because if something took you, you know, 10 hours to put together versus one hour, it's really not going to matter if you're selling thousands 
thousands of these. You could charge $20 for a digital product that took you 10 hours to make, and you're gonna sell maybe five of them a month. Or you could charge $1 for something that took you 10 hours to make, and you could sell 100 of them in a month. Honestly, it really doesn't matter how much time you put into it. It really depends on how much you wanna sell, how much money do you wanna make. And when you're pricing, you don't just wanna see what else is offered and then be somewhere in the middle, not the highest, not the cheapest. You don't wanna do that. You really wanna be much more strategic. So it really comes down to value proposition. So what are you offering and how are you communicating that? How well and effectively are you communicating that in search results? So I'm talking about that combination of the listing photo and price. That's the only way to communicate your value in search results. People are not reading the titles. So, you know, it really depends on what your goal is here. If you're trying to make a lot of money, there are different pricing strategies for different stages of a listings life cycle, and you've got to pay attention to that. So if their market leader has been on Etsy for, you know, six months to a year and they are, you know, charging $10 as a brand new listing, you don't want to come in and charge $10, right? Or even $9. You got to be really smart and intentional with how you're taking market share. And that's why when I teach pricing strategy, I break that pricing down for which pricing you need for which stage of a listings life cycle. And for us, our goal is always to make money. We're trying to have a high, high volume, especially when it comes to digital products. Okay, so here is the third way to get free visibility for your handmade business. You are going to want to network. And if you are an introvert like me, you're probably screaming on the inside or maybe on the outside, but networking will make your business so much more visible because you'll meet people who would want to buy your products or people that may want to collab with you um, to do giveaways or other things. Or you may find your new biz bestie at a networking event. So what are these events? Any networking event that you have in your area, it can be your local community events, it can be pop-up vendor events, even if they're smaller ones because you can network with other makers or other business owners and you guys can collab in the future. I think networking as a handmade business owner is very underrated and a lot of big things can happen if you just put yourself out there and go to networking events. I hope that helped. Oh man, you do not have to be getting out there physically and networking. Your time is very valuable. We really wanna be working smarter and not harder. Going to a networking event in your town or something is not what I would recommend doing with your time. There are so many ways to network on the computer where you're gonna have a wider reach. I would not be physically going to networking events. I mean, unless you are working with some maybe big, you know, B2B customers where there's a lot of potential for some big business, potentially, you know, meeting with them one-on-one -on -one will make a, a big statement, but I highly recommend not, you know, spending your time going to networking events in person if you're a handmade business right now. Sure, if you're going to like a market or something, that's totally different, but going to networking events for like small business owners and trying to meet like biz besties to, to collab with, I would not do that. I don't think that would be the most profitable way to spend three hours, you know, on a Friday night. Yeah, I always think about what's, you know, the biggest ROI on your, on your time, on your hour. To me, that would not be it. So that's my two cents. Are you paying for things you don't need to on Etsy? Let me show you. Etsy offsite ads. So did you know that if you have made less than $10,000 in the last year, you can turn them off? So if you're paying for Etsy offsite ads and you have not made, reached that threshold, you can turn them off. So to do that, you would go to settings, off-site ads and mine are on because I have reached that threshold so I am required to pay for them um, but it's only 10% of my total sales when I look at how many 
uh, sales I've made with offsite ads versus how many sales I've made in my entire shop, it's only 10%. So it's not like I'm paying a, you know, a ton of fees all of a sudden. But anyway, on this page, you'll see something that says, you know, how to turn it off if you are under that threshold. Offsite ads. So some people say, no, offsite ads, avoid it for as long as possible. Well, I think it really depends on what your marketing strategy is. So I have students where they get a lot of business through offsite ads. Some of those things might kind of be related to health and wellness type of solutions. Oftentimes with that, we find that people don't realize the solution could be found on Etsy. They're Googling for a solution to something and people would never think to go to Etsy for that. So if you have items in your shop that people might not realize are on Etsy, but they are searching for them. It could be beneficial to have offsite ads turned on, and it could be a way to really bring in customers that might not have ever found you. I've even looked at doing some strategies where I specifically sell things that I know are trending on Google that are not trending on Etsy, knowing that I have offsite ads turned on and knowing that I would get picked up by those offsite ads. And that quickly makes me the market leader on Etsy for that product because it's not you know, a big, highly searchable product on Etsy so there's not as much competition. I will specifically sometimes go after products that are highly searched on Google because it's kind of an easy way to become a market leader for it. Here's a few quick tips on how to get your first sale on Etsy. One, ask your friends or family to check out your store and maybe purchase something. Okay, you don't have to do that. Like for me, that was like, that would just be a cringe worthy thing for me to do. So you really do not have to rely on your friends and family. They don't even have to know what you're doing if you don't want them to. So your first sales, they don't need to be from people you know. You know, a lot of people say you have to get your friends and family to help you. You really don't. Step two is to open up a social media account in TikTok, Pinterest or Instagram to start. Try to post daily on whatever social media that you really want to focus on for your specific store. I would say Facebook should be really be a prime focus, especially in the beginning. Um, in comparison to Pinterest, I mean, that's really the long game. I would not be opening a store and then starting a Pinterest strategy day one. I would be starting Facebook strategy day one. Three, try to put on one or two day sales on your Etsy account every other day. So people have an urgency to buy your items when they first see your items and they see that there's a discount that only lasts for so long. And that's it guys. That's how I took my account from zero to 1000 plus sales on Etsy in one year and how you guys can do that too. I did this exactly in 365 days and really anyone can do this. Okay. So my sale discount strategies are a little bit different than hers. I think there is something to be said for having scarcity, but I, I wouldn't do it in the every other day uh, method. Etsy store quick tip. Hey guys, I'm Gina. I am a full-time e-commerce and Etsy coach and I help people sell stuff online. And this is Ramona. Here's my Etsy store quick tip of the day. Take advantage of your draft listings. So I've noticed that Etsy rewards sellers who are super active on the platform, but not all of us are selling Etsy full-time. So you can use your draft listings to do something I call trickle listing. Let's say you have three hours one day a week to work on your Etsy store. Get a bunch of new listings ready, but keep them in your draft folder. Then pop into Etsy one time a day, maybe two times a day to publish something new. This gives the appearance that you are a very active seller who's in the platform daily providing new listings.
Yes, I think it is important to definitely stay active. Don't do something where you like publish listings once a month, once a week. I mean, that's not bad to do once a week. I think it's fine to do once a week. You know, it's really not something where it has to be one listing per day. Um, people get really regimented about that. As long as you stay active every week, that's what I would recommend. You know, if you are someone where you want to sit down and knock out like a hundred listings at a time, then the draft method, that could be a good method for you. But ultimately, I wouldn't be too legalistic about it. Hey TikTok, so I'm downstairs working on my Etsy shop on my computer and I am working on tags today because I found out recently that Etsy updated their search algorithm. So they have new standards and new tips for you to um, on how to be listing your title, your description, and your tags. So I'm gonna flip the camera and show you guys a list of what tags I'm working on right now. I think tags are probably the one of the most difficult parts of making an Etsy listing because it really forces you to think descriptively and it's hard to not be repetitive and also find like unique terms. So I sell um, a lot of baby products, including bibs, specifically bandana bibs. So um, here's some tags for what I have right now. And you can see they're all about like what the bib is used for, what age it's used for, um, characteristics of the bib, like there's woodland animals. She's missing bandana bib. <laughs> I just realized that. Now I also am seeing a lot of single words here as tags. So flannel, absorbent, adventure, those would not be the best tags to be using. You really want consistency here with your SEO and that's the important part. Animals, baby deer on it. And then also what it's made out of flannel, it's absorbent um, and then other search terms that people might be looking for such as gender neutral. Yeah, so she had like gray, newborn, like just singular words on here. You still want your tags to be long tail keywords. You don't wanna have short singular words as your tags. Or baby shower gift. Now, I recently just did this with all of my listings, updating the tags. So I started to make a list for myself of good tags. Wow, you know, she's putting a lot of thought into this. To me, it looks like busy work, right? Writing things on paper. I would probably recommend getting a good system down on the computer so you can go quickly and efficiently versus, you know, scribbling things out on paper. Maybe this works for some people, but when it comes to Etsy and scaling and building out your listings, you wanna go fast and you wanna be efficient. You don't wanna time um, you don't want to be doing things twice so like writing it out by hand and then typing it into the computer and cross-checking um, there's a much more efficient way to go about this um, so that I don't have to continuously think of them I can just refer back to my list so here's some like I just listed newborn baby bib toddler bib and then within that I have different themes um, so that I can put tags on each bib accordingly so what I really recommend is just trying to think as descriptively as possible and I also try and sit and think if I were a consumer searching for my product to purchase as a gift for someone, what would I be looking for? Like what specific things would I be typing into the search query? Okay, so that's logical, so that's good. She's thinking like how do I think like a consumer versus like the seller? So that's really smart. And um, are there any like specific characteristics I'm looking for. And that really helps me to form good tags. And also phrases, that's a new um, tip that Etsy has in the tag section is putting in short phrases. Um, so like one of mine is baby shower gift. 
So instead of putting... Good, so she's talking about long tail keywords. So she needs to do all long tail keywords and apply that to the whole thing. Okay, we have one more. This is exactly how I got my first 100 orders within a month of selling on Etsy. So I started September of last year and by October 31st, I had my first, let me pull up the stats, my first 121 orders. Okay, first thing is I was listing as much as I possibly could in September, like as many listings as I could a day. Yes, this took a lot of work, but I was trying to get to at least 50 to 100 listings. Okay, so I've seen a lot of people do this where they will try to list as many things as possible. And you know, sometimes I'll talk to them and like, okay, I got 50 listings up. My next goal is to get to like 500 listings. Then I'm gonna come back and talk to you. And the thing is like, it's not about the volume of listings. It's really about the quality of listings plus the volume, but quality really comes first. If you have a volume of listings and the quality isn't there, nothing's optimized, then it's pointless. You might as well have 10 listings. It really doesn't make a difference. So I notice a lot of people prioritize the quantity over the optimization. It gives you the highest chances of showing up in search results. So listing as much as possible, was it amazing quality? Absolutely not. I look back at it now and I'm like, ooh, those were rough, but I got sales, so you can always upgrade later, you know? Okay, the next thing is selling seasonal products. So at some point I was like, okay, Halloween's coming up. Halloween designs. The best that's really like what did it for me there's only a limited time frame to buy seasonal products so you have the highest chances of getting sales during the next season coming up so i recommend doing seasonal products in the beginning okay so i highly would not recommend doing seasonal products just because when you're doing that then you're chasing so you're trying to get traction in your shop with items that only have like a maybe like four week to ten week window that they'll be selling and then after the holiday they're dead it's dead weight it's fluff if anything it will slow down your momentum i talk to a lot of sellers every week where they started as holiday shops right so their shops, they come to me, it's, you know, what is it like May and they have all this like Easter stuff and Valentine's Day stuff in their shop. And sure, maybe they have 20 or 25 sales, but now they're just trying to think of, okay, I better get some Mother's Day stuff in, or I, I better get some 4th of July stuff in. And they're just chasing holidays, but the momentum doesn't keep building. It's very short lived. And it's not even September yet. So if you haven't even started yet, you have plenty of time, trust me. People wait till the last minute anyway. The next thing is I experimented with so many different types of products, it's not even funny. I don't know if I can come up with like the 10 or more in, in my head right now, but I started with checklists, postcards, newsletters, um, social media graphics, which I do not recommend. <clears throat> Way too much work. Like you get paid dollars. Literally, it's not worth it to me, but that's my opinion. I had one product that popped off and I kept experimenting. I'm glad I did because then I had other products that I made more money selling. So I recommend regardless experimenting even when you do find that certain product that pops off. That is really smart. Never stop experimenting, never stop testing new products. Do not just launch a shop with all of one type of thing and then hope that is the thing that you're gonna be known for because usually I found over and over again, we have like 750 students to, as of today and I find over and over again that what they become known for is not the thing that they start with. It's really interesting, but usually what you become known for is gonna be something that you add in a little bit later on. You never wanna limit yourself. I know some people may disagree with that and be like, well, you shouldn't have multiple different types of keywords because it can be confusing and your stuff won't rank as high. I don't agree with that. I also feel like if you don't have any sales to begin with, like what does it really matter? I sell different types of products in my shop, printed and digital, and it's fine, I still get sales. So I would say I wouldn't really take that into consideration too much and limit yourself. 
especially in the beginning, you can focus more later on. And then I did do Etsy ads around Halloween. Uh, they weren't the biggest contributing factor. I only did like $3 a day for a few listings. I did get sales out of it. So I do recommend giving it a shot if you can. I wasn't too focused on profit in the beginning. So I don't think you should be either. Um, just the sales is enough. You just want to get some sales under your name, get some reviews in, and then more orders will start coming in. I think in the beginning, there's some things you could do outside of Etsy ads that would be more helpful, uh, like the Facebook strategy, just social media in general. I've talked to a lot of students who, you know, they did print on demand and they ran at a negative, like they were losing money for their first few months because they're running ads and then they turn the ads off and their stuff's not selling. So it's usually because the listings aren't optimized. And so getting into a cycle where you are relying on ads and relying on really losing money in the beginning is not something I'd recommend doing. All right, I think that's all for today, but I hope you enjoyed the video. If you want my one-on-one -on -one help in your shop, definitely click on the link in the description where you can schedule a call to learn more about my program and how I can help you. We'll basically show you the back end of what it looks like inside the program and how it works with the students. You can see the students and all their questions and how the coaching works um, to see if this is something you're even interested in. So that's what the call below is all about. If you wanna see what it looks like, we can take you on a little tour. All right, we'll see you guys in the next video.